Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. If you've ever tried to wrangle a group of elementary school children, sometimes you do whatever you need to do. And so this has been a while. I started teaching on the fruit of the spirit, and it was a little wild in class. They were a little extra energetic that day. And so I just said, guys, say, I am a fruit branch. And then we, they, we did. And so they started yelling, I am a fruit branch. So now I'm going to ask you, can you all yell out? Can you say, I am a fruit branch? Okay, one more time like the kids would do it. I am a fruit branch. All right, thank you. Now that you're awake. All right, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a fruit branch? Well, our theme verse in class as we're going over the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the Spirit passage. It's actually John 15, 5. And they, will, they know this verse inside and out. I started doing fill in the blank and seeing if I could eliminate words and see if they know it. Well, they're at the point where they don't even need any of the words. They've got it. So it says, I am the vine. You are the, bur- or, yes, I. I, am, I is Jesus. Jesus is the one speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Without me, without Jesus, you can do nothing. So if you've ever asked one of our lion hearts, they should, if you just say, I am the vine, they got the rest. Um, so we've been learning about this and we've been talking about just in natural um, things. I am a gardener and a cucumber vine produces what? Cucumbers. A grapevine produces grapes. So very similarly, it's talking about a vine. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. So if Jesus is the vine, what kind of fruit are we producing? Jesus fruit, right? The fruit of his spirit. And so that's why we say, I am a fruit branch, because we are connected to a good vine, a Jesus vine, and we produce Jesus fruit. So today I'm going to do a brush through the fruit of the Spirit, but we're eventually just going to get to the Spirit. That's the part I really want to focus on today. So um, the fruit of the Spirit passage, we're going to go through it quickly. There's a lot of scripture because I just love the scripture, and so you get a lot of it. So we're going to follow along on the screen. I did use the Passion Translation today. Um, scriptures are in your app. Uh, if you go to the Giving Light app, they're also going to be on the screen if you're in the room. Um, so I used the Passion Translation because I liked the wording um, that it gave. It's a little bit different than maybe what we're used to if you're really familiar with this passage. Um, So I'm going to start in, it's Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 16, and it says, let me emphasize this, as you yield to the dynamic life of the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. And then it says, when your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, so you can see then, it says, there's two incompatible and conflicting forces within you, your self-life 
and the life of the Spirit. So you can see it says they're at odds. You have the old way and the new way, the way without Jesus, without the Spirit, and your new way with the Spirit. And they're at odds within you if you're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. Now, in John 3, um, Jesus is talking to this uh, religious leader named Nicodemus, and uh, Nicodemus says, what do I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, unless you die to your old man and you're reborn again into the Spirit, you can't be saved. And Nicodemus goes on to, well, how how am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb? This is impossible. Uh, And Jesus says, receive the spirit and you'll receive new life. Now, if you are in this room and you've received the spirit of God, then you have been baptized into a new life uh, with him. So those two things, it says those incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation of the spirit. So if we submit to our new nature, the old one, we don't even really have to worry about it. And I think sometimes we try in our own strength to so stay out of our old nature. But the Bible actually says that when we submit to God, when I yield to my new life, I'm already resisting the old life. And it's, he's going to flee from us. I'm getting really rabbit traily already, so help me, Jesus. Okay, verse 18, the same passage. It says, but when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law. And I said, under your own ability but you'll be soaring above it. It's saying that you're going to be supercharged by the grace of the spirit within you. He's going to empower you to not have to struggle under your old nature. You're actually going to be soaring above your old nature in the way of the spirit. Verse 19 says, the behavior of the self-life is obvious. This is where the Bible gets super blunt and we don't like to quote these verses. It says the behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Wow, super quiet. Oh my God. So when, so it says the behavior of your self-life is obvious. It's a mess. There's a lot on that list. And I don't know about you, but I have done some things on that list. And then at the end it says, and all similar behavior. So even if you're like, well, I've never murdered all similar behavior. So we've all probably felt the the sting of some of those things. And you know why? Because I'm guilty of disconnecting from the vine of the spirit. There are moments in my life where I have disconnected from him and I've turned back to my fleshly nature instead of yielding to the Holy Spirit. Here's the good part. It's a really easy fix. Now, like, if, you, if I pull a cucumber off of the cucumber vine, I can't put it back. But just like Nicodemus is like, well, am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb? There's a supernatural way. We can actually just reconnect. So if we find ourselves yielding to the old nature, all I have to do is reconnect. Reconnect, re-yield myself to my new creation spirit that is within me. 
And then the passage continues. This is the good part of the passage. It says, so that's the, the fruit of the old nature. Then it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never let the law, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. So the fruit that his spirit produces in our lives is like the pinnacle. It's like the best way of living. And we get to live in that way. How? By our own strength, by our own ability, by trying really hard, by just staying connected with him. Then verse 24, it says, keep in mind that we, say we, who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. In other verses in the Bible, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. It's no longer the old nature that lives, but it's Christ. It's his spirit that lives inside of me. He's transformed my life. So when I yield myself to the Holy Spirit, I am new. Say, I am new. But when I, my life is not yielded to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to lean back into those old ways. But again, the enemy will always try to condemn you. He will always say, oh, here you go again. You didn't make it. You, I thought you had grown, but you haven't grown at all. He'll always try to condemn you back into your old nature. The Holy Spirit, like, conviction is very different than condemnation. Because condemnation will always turn you back to your old way of living, your old life. Conviction, the kindness of his conviction draws us to change, to actually walk into that new life that he's given to us. So verse 25 says, if the spirit is the source of our life, who is the source? The spirit. We must also, this one's big, we must also allow the spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. So who's the boss? Tony Danza? Who was Tony? Was it Tony Danza? Who's the boss? Wow. I feel old. Nobody knows this reference. Who's the boss? The spirit. We have to let the spirit. He says, if the spirit is actually the Lord of your life, you actually have to let the spirit lead your life. And this is not an easy assignment. It actually requires total dependency on the Holy Spirit. It means that I trust his leadership over my life more than I trust my own. That's really, really hard sometimes because um, as a fiercely independent person, I think I know the best way. I think I know how to lead my own life. But actually, he will always be leading my life in a good direction, in a better direction than I ever could imagine. He's always leading your life in a good direction. All right, that was sermon number one. I debated cutting that part out, but we had good time. So now, I don't want to talk about the fruit today, but I felt like I needed to establish that when we are actually connected with his spirit, our life is evidence of his spirit. We are growing good fruit. Say, I am a fruit branch. I'm a fruit branch. So when I walk in love, it's because I'm connected with love himself. Yesterday I was in DC and my cousin was driving and somebody pulled out and cut us off and she goes, 
well, that wasn't very nice. And I said, you have the gentlest road rage I've ever seen of any person ever. <laughs> and I just thought, well, when we're connected to the spirit, our behavior is a little more refined. It's a little different, right? Because we have self-control, because we have gentleness. Our life looks different because we're connected to a different source. All right. So now I want to talk about what, who the Holy Spirit actually is. Um, the Holy Spirit is not your little Jiminy Cricket buddy. The Holy Spirit is not the little angel on your shoulder. He's not like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like our little buddy. When This is probably no one else except maybe my siblings will know this reference. But when we were little kids, we were only allowed to consume Christian media. Christian media has come a long way. But there was this show called McGee and Me. And there was this boy, and he had this little buddy, McGee, that was like his conscience. Like, mm, I don't think you should do that. Does anybody else know McGee and Me? Oh, Andy, you're always the one who gets it. We grew up very similarly. Okay. So, but, um, but it's like this little conscience buddy, like Jiminy Cricket. The Holy Spirit is not that. The Holy Spirit is actually God himself. He is God himself. So God is three in one. So the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people will use an egg to help describe this mysterious concept that there's a shell and there's a yolk and there's a white. I don't, I have not found to, to this date a, a sufficient way to describe the Trinity. So I will just tell you that he is three in one. Maybe Pastor Steve can bring greater depth to this, but he is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One is not less than the other. It's a mysterious concept that we don't really see in a natural realm. But he is three in one. The Holy Spirit is not lesser than the Father, than the Son. He is God. And he's always been here. So if you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, in Genesis 1, 2, it says, The earth was without without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit, notice, well, I think it's all capitalized. It's a capital S. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Who's the spirit? Is it just like a mysterious mist? No, God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And then in Genesis 1:26, it says, Then God said, Let us, now this is God speaking. He hadn't created people yet. He said, Let us, that you is capitalized, make man in our image, that O is capitalized, according to our likeness, the O is capitalized. Why is God speaking in plural? Capitalized plural. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has always been. As long as the Father, as long as the Son, the Holy Spirit has always been. The Holy Spirit is not a premonition. He is a person. So again, growing up in 90s charismania, as I did, a lot of things were um, spooky. Ooh. Like, like we, we really, we were aware that there is light and darkness. There is light and darkness. 
but we were really aware of light and darkness. That's why we're only allowed to consume Christian media because we don't want to step in to the ways of darkness, right? So um, I was afraid of everything as a kid, and I would I remember having an argument with my aunt. I was at her house. Usually that meant my mom was having another kid when I was at my aunt's house. So um, I remember she put on TV, and we weren't allowed to watch most TV, but she put on this show called PB&J Otter, and I remember arguing with my aunt and saying, I can't watch that, it's bad. Because I was so used to, we don't do dark things, we do light things. But in my very limited, very childlike mind, if it wasn't Jesus, it was darkness. So I remember arguing with her. And then as I got older, I realized that show is actually about three otters. One's named Peanut. The other one's named Butter. The other one's name is Jelly. <laughs> There's like nothing dark about this show at all. But I was very, very like aware of like good and evil, light and darkness. And so, but all I say all of that to say the Holy Spirit is not like, ooh, He's not like this dark, he's not a spirit like a ghost, like you can't see a ghost. Like he's not, um, what do we call it, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost? So, right? So we can think the Holy Spirit is like the creepy part of God, right? What? God is spirit. Yes, he is a spirit. But in our, in our natural thinking, we think of spirit as spooky a lot of the times. But the Holy Spirit is not that kind of spirit. I could go into further, but I don't have time. And that there is a spirit realm, right? There's light and darkness. We can't see it with our natural eyes. But then there's a higher spirit that is above light and darkness that is God. And so he is the Holy Spirit. He is God. Are you with me? All right, barely, but we'll keep going. All right, so the Holy Spirit's not a premonition. He's an actual person, and that's another thing. He's a person. He's not just, whoo, he's not just a force invisible in the world. No, he's a person. He has a personality. So the Holy Spirit is a spirit, but he's not a spooky spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be described as God's personal presence. So the Hebrew word for spirit so in the original language in the Bible was written, it was written in Hebrew and Greek mostly, and the, the word that in the Hebrew for spirit is ruach. Can you say ruach? If you don't nearly get to phlegm state, you're not doing it right. Ruach. Ruach. Okay. That's the way the Hebrews would say it, yes. Probably better than I'm saying it. The Greek uh, word is pneuma. Can you say pneuma? So I looked up these words, and in both of those definitions, it uses this to define the word. It says that he is never referred to as a depersonalized force. And that's just to hammer in. He is not a premonition. Ooh. He's a person. He is never referred to. God is never referred to. Holy Spirit is never referred to as a depersonalized force. And he's not just good vibes or energy. We hear a lot of that today, um, that we believe in the spirit world. Well, they're often talking about, ooh, <laughs> they're not talking about the capital S spirit world. He's not just good vibes or energy. He's a person who is God himself. 
And why is it important to, to know this? Because being aware of the spirit realm is not the same as knowing God. And in Matthew uh, 7, verse 21 and 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, uh, Lord, Lord, this is Jesus speaking, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? We've done many wonders in your name. They've done spiritual things. They've been aware of light and darkness. They've cast out darkness. But then he says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They were aware of the spirit realm, but they didn't know the spirit himself. So the Holy Spirit actually wants a relationship with you. I love that. He says, he says you never knew me. You never, you never knew the person that I am. You never connected yourself to me. You just, you knew the spiritual things, but you didn't know me. And I think we, sometimes, myself included, sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as, well, yeah, he's a presence, the presence of God, right? He's a presence in my life but he's a person in my life. And just remembering all the time that he's actually a person who wants to know me and he wants me to know him. It's a relationship. It's a friendship that he wants us to cultivate with him. So instead of just the moment, how many of you have ever been, um, like you have to take a test or an interview and you go, now I've never been a praying person, but now's the time to pray, right? But he actually wants to have a day-to-day, non-stop conversation, friendship with you, a friendship with the Holy Spirit. When Danielle, um, ex-drummer, when she moved away, we lived together for eight years, um, and best friends. If anybody has earned bestie status in my life, it is her. When she moved, she dared to move away and take my niece with her to another state. We said, this friendship will not stop here. We made a very intentional choice that we had fought long and hard enough that that relationship was not going to stop there. And it hasn't. We're very, very connected with each other's lives. That's the difference between just a presence of someone and a friendship. It's intentionality. It's saying, this relationship is a priority in my life, so I'm going to make an effort to communicate. I'm going to make an effort to be in your space. I'm going to do things that cost me, like, you know, it costs $18 to cross the George Washington Bridge now. <laughs> and I will pay that $18 because it matters. This relationship matters to me. And so it's being in a relationship with someone that will cause you to actually prioritize it in your life. So the people that you live with, your spouse, your whoever is, your children, those are the ones that you're going to be most in their lives, right? So the Holy Spirit wants that, he wants that kind of intimate relationship with you to where he's not just the presence of God. And, and we do this a lot in, in church and worship. There's nothing wrong with it. We say, Holy Spirit, come, or like your presence, let your presence come. And there's greater teaching on that too. But 
What I'm highlighting today is being aware that that presence is always inside of you. That spirit is always inside of you, and he's not just a premonition. He's not just a spooky spirit. He is a person who wants to know you. He wants to be in connection with you. He wants to be in friendship with you. He wants to be your vine so that you can grow good fruit in your life. So I want the friendship with the Holy Spirit to be the one that leads my life. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we were called to do. And um, Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, we had a baptism this year, and I always love it when we do that. Um, But when Jesus was baptized in obedience to the Father, um, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven, uh, the Bible says, like a dove. And the Father says to the Son, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's this amazing moment in the Bible where we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit converge in, in one moment. And it's so powerful because I couldn't think of, maybe there are others, but I couldn't think of another moment where we see all three mentioned right there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this was an example of Jesus' yieldedness to the Spirit, that he, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. He was yielded to the the Father. The Father says, you need to be baptized. He gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes and rests upon him. Um, And so this is that example of yieldedness of the Spirit um, that Jesus walked in. And then after this happens, Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Immediately, um, Jesus goes into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. Have you ever been tempted by the devil? Have you ever been tempted by the devil? Okay. You've been tempted by the devil. If you're not aware that, that this has ever happened, you've been tempted by the devil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not a trick question. I've, I've been tempted. Jesus was tempted by the devil. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. You're not like, well, I can't say yes because Jesus was tempted. Okay. All right. So Jesus goes into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil And guess what? He's so yielded to the Holy Spirit that the temptations of the devil, they do not, he does not fall for them. He instead repeats the word of God. He he repeats um, what God has spoken to the enemy and he's able to resist him. Guess what? That Holy Spirit is inside of you. So when when the enemy comes to tempt you, which he will, his whole job is to tempt you, is to lead you into destruction, the enemy. That's his whole job. He's gonna be doing it Till Jesus crushes his head, right? So when that happens, the Holy Spirit in you is your empowerment against the enemy, just like Jesus. You have that Holy Spirit inside of us. And I think if we recognize that, we recognize the actual God himself who is inside of us, it empowers us. Like we actually have what it takes inside of us to say no to the enemy's temptations. We can do that. Does that mean that when you miss and you make a mistake that the condemnation can come and lead you back into your old way? No. It's all you got to do is turn the other way. Turn towards him. Reconnect to the vine. All right. So Jesus, he was tempted by the devil. Guess what? After he, um, he walked out, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to say no to the enemy. He stepped out of the wilderness and for three years he had a ministry that changed the course of history. That same, that same spirit, that same spirit that was in Jesus that empowered him to resist, guess what? Jesus was a man. He had a fleshly nature. He just never yielded to it. 
So that same spirit is inside of you to where when you submit to God, therefore resisting the devil, you can change the course of history. It's a big deal. You actually can change the course of history by walking in gentleness and in self-control and in love and in peace and in kindness. You can change the course of history by bearing the fruit of the spirit. Just so you know, this isn't just like a good idea. It's so powerful. It's so revolutionary that what Jesus did, we can do too. It's so good. It's, I wish you guys were as pumped as I am, but it's okay. All right. The Holy Spirit was promised to us. So in John 16, this is verses 6, 7, and 13. It says, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So context, Jesus was walking on the earth for three years, this revolutionary ministry, but he's telling his friends that he's going to go away. He's going to leave. And they're sad about it. And so, and they're also like, what are you talking about? Why are you leaving? Where are you going? So Jesus is telling them, and he says, um, I'm going away, and sorrow is filling their heart. Then in verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Say the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is saying it's going to be better if I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That helper, that word is capitalized. The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is awesome. Jesus is saying, I have to go. I got to go away. But it's going to be better. It's going to be better. Do you think they believed him? No. They did not believe him. They're like, how could it be better? We're literally walking with Jesus. How could it be better than that? But he says, I tell you the truth. The truth. It's, it's better if I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's going to be my personal presence in your life, empowering you to live your new creation design. Say amen. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus says, I'm going to send the helper to you. In John 14, 25 and 26, he says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Who's talking? Jesus. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Jesus is with them. He's talking to them. And he says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. So Jesus was, was present with them externally. He, we could touch him, we could see him, we could talk to him, right? Jesus was there in the flesh. The Holy Spirit isn't just around us, he's in us. So Jesus could go to Galilee and be with the people in Galilee, and then he could go to Nazareth where they didn't want him, right? But he was still a person, only being in one place at one time, right? But the Holy Spirit can be in us, in, say, in me. He's in me everywhere I go, not just in church, not just in the prayer meeting. He's in me all the time. He's, a, he's the personal presence of God inside of me. This is awesome. Say it's awesome. Just fake it till you make it, guys. It's awesome. Okay. All right. So 
Jesus was with them externally. The Holy Spirit is with them internally. He's inside of them. And then in John 14, 15, 16, and 18, the header of that section says, Jesus promises another helper. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he's going to give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And then he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And I think sometimes we fall for the lie that his presence has left us. That when we can't see him, when we don't hear his words right in front of us, we think that he's left us. And then the enemy's lies come in. You're alone. You can't do it. The enemy wins. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. Say, I am not an orphan. He says, I will come to you. He will come to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. He is your ever-present help in time of need. He always keeps his word. So Jesus says, I will give you the helper, and he's going to abide with you forever. Forever. Forever, forever, forever. And this helper, the one that he says that he's going to send to us, that he has sent to us, that word is sometimes translated as comforter. Do you know like those big fluffy blankets? Like last night I was like, ooh, we've been living that like lightweight blanket life, but it's getting cold, right? The comforter, it makes us feel good, right? The helper, the comforter, that word is Parakletos, which I'm probably saying wrong. Sorry, Greek scholars. Parakletos. That word, the helper, it means the one called alongside to help. And I think sometimes we think that the helper is like our last ditch assist. <laughs> like, like, um, like we're doing all the heavy lifting and then we're like, oh, I'm slipping, I'm slipping, I'm slipping, help. And then Jesus or Holy Spirit goes, boop. And just pushes us over to where, oh, thank you, got it. Jesus is not, our Holy Spirit, sorry, I interchange them just naturally. But the Holy Spirit is not just the last ditch assist. And I think sometimes myself, remember, I was going to say, I am woman, hear me roar. I don't believe that. But sometimes that like independence in me is like, I can do it myself. <laughs> but when we, when we do that, it gets really heavy. The yoke becomes really heavy. The burden is heavy. And I'm just trying to remember more and more and more the helper is with me. The helper is with me. So instead of waiting until I run into a brick wall to cry out to the Holy Spirit, to every moment of every day, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, help me. He says he's the helper. Holy Spirit, help me. From morning to night, Holy Spirit, lead my life. Lead my life in a good direction. It's who he is. It's what he wants to do. And, and we just get so used to doing it on our own strength, on our own ways, on our own ability, thinking that I can lift 90% of the load and then I just need the 10% boop of the Holy Spirit to help me get over the edge. But what if I switch that around? Because he actually wants to partner with me. But what if he's doing 90%? And then I'm just partnering with him. I think it'd be a very different experience. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light.
So I'm working on this in my life because I want that friendship with him that remembers that he's here to help me. And if you're like me, you don't want to burden someone. So I don't ask for help until the last minute. He, that's what he's, he's the one called alongside to help. And I think sometimes I go, I got it, 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 I don't got it, I don't got it, I don't got it. But what if I actually let him lead me? I think it would be a really different experience. And that's the one I'm determined to taste on this earth. But it just takes every day recognizing the helper is here. The helper is here. And it's not like 1-800-CALL-HELP. 1-800-I-NEED-AN-ASSIST. Need he's not my phone a friend. No, he's the helper inside of me. The spirit of God called alongside to help. I want to live that way. And to take it further and a little bit more artistic. Pastor Joel just rolled his eyes. That word spirit often is translated breath. Breath. Wind. Breath. Um, and I want to live in such a way that it's his breath that keeps me alive. What happens when you stop breathing? Loretta, what happens when you stop breathing? Just say it. You die. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. You die, right? Well, this body dies. This body requires breath in order to live, right? So when this body stops receiving breath, it dies. All right, I'm not going to go into the rabbit trail. But I want it to be so that I'm so dependent on his breath, his spirit inside of me, that without it is an inferior life. And I want to recognize that. I want to recognize when I'm having a hard time that it's because I'm forgetting that his breath is in my lungs. His spirit is inside of me. I just want to get quicker at recognizing that when I'm struggling, I'm not relying on the spirit inside of me. It's okay. It's not a condemning thing. It's a learning to depend on him, on the helper, the one who's called alongside to help. I want to be so aware of him that he is what keeps my spirit alive, that I just yield to him always, that I keep going back to him. There's a joke uh, in our podcast, the Life Exchange podcast. One episode, I had the audacity to say that I'm really into breathing, and what I meant was, I believe in breathing exercises. And Pastor Joel goes, we're all really into breathing. <laughs> Which is true. Can't live without it on this earth. Um, but I want, just like I take time to intentionally breathe, I want to take time to intentionally be aware of his spirit inside of me. The more I'm aware of it, the more I'm going to rely on it, the more I'm going to trust it, the more I'm going to stop thinking I could do it all myself and actually call upon the helper inside of me. So this requires an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So I won't know his voice if I don't make it the loudest one in my life. Am I allowing the story that I've told myself to be louder than the one he's telling about me? All right, real fast. Shame will cause you to hide from him. 
In Genesis 3.8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord, Adam and Eve, they had just sinned. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the, in the cool of the day. Side note, that word cool is ruach. They were walking with the Spirit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So the Spirit was present. It says they were walking in the, in the midst of the, the Spirit. But they had sinned, and so they were hiding from him. And I often wonder, what if they would have called out to the helper instead? But we don't know that. that we don't know that uh, choose-your-own-adventure. But the more that we heal from shame and begin to see our true identity in him, the less we're going to hide from his presence, and the more we'll actually run to him. The more the helper will be an active presence in our lives because we aren't trying to do it on our own anymore. We're, tr we're, we're not trying to cover up our failures. We're giving them to him. So why are we like, and this whole message was not an ad for the shame course, but just a reminder, it's very important because shame causes us to actually hide from him. But when that veil is lifted, when shame is lifted off of our lives, we can freely run to the helper. We can actually embrace the helper inside of us rather than hiding because we couldn't do it on our own because we were never meant to do it on our own. All right. I won't know what bothers him if I don't know him. If you know me, yell out something that bothers me. Oh, squeaky green beans. Ah! Do you ever have things that just make you cringe, like right now? Oh, my God. Squeaky green beans. Why do you know that about me? Because we eat together sometimes. Because you know me, right? You know me, so you know what I don't like. Oh, my God. Okay, it's going to be okay. <laughs> so... When you know someone, you know what they like and you know what they don't like. I want to be so in friendship with Holy Spirit that I know what he likes and what he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. So that conviction, when I go into a place or I say something or I do something or, um, or I have an attitude or whatever it is, I want to be so in friendship with him that I know when he doesn't like it. And then I change the way I'm doing things. Like, it takes that level of intimacy, that level of friendship to know what somebody likes and what they don't like. And then on the other side, I want to know what he likes. He likes it when I worship. He likes it when I call out to him. So the more I know him, the more I'm going to know what he likes, what he doesn't like. I'm going to strengthen that friendship with the helper, with the Holy Spirit, with God himself inside of me, his personal presence called alongside to help me. All right, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. It says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. What is good, that he might have something to give him who has need. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Just notice that, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. And it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This passage gives you insight into what he likes and what he doesn't like. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by doing these things. Instead, do these things. So we have the word of God as instruction to help us know him, to help us know the helper. So that's my plug for the Bible. Read it. It's really good. But it also helps you to know what he likes and what he doesn't like without conviction or without condemnation. He just leads us to, oh, this is what you like. I want to do that for you because you like it. If you're a good friend or spouse, you learn the things they like Do those things. If you're not doing that, I just gave you a key. Learn the things they like. Do those things. (laughs) After all these years, hopefully you got that. All right. I think this is the last section. Say thank you, Jesus. Jesus, uh, The Holy Spirit is our Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. Did you ever hear the scripture verse, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? This translation says, now the Lord that I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. That word Lord means he to whom a person belongs. The one who holds the power of decision. And it means master. Where the Holy Spirit holds the power of decision, I have freedom. And it seems so counterintuitive to our human nature to say where someone else is in charge, that's when I'm free. But that's what it says. Where the Holy Spirit holds the power of decision in my life, I'll never be more free. I'm going to skip a bunch. But I want the, my life to be one long journey of learning dependency on the Holy Spirit, my helper. And I was remembering when I was a little kid, as independent as I have always been, I loved doing stuff with my dad, like menial stuff. My dad, loved, to this day, loves to rearrange furniture. And I remember as a kid, we would have to drill a hole in the wood floor so we could run the cabling so we could move the TV to the other side of the room. We did this often. But my dad, yeah, there's holes in the floor. My dad needed somebody to fish the cable through the hole so he could get it in the basement and run it. I love doing that with him. Like, why do I remember that? I remember just going to the store with him, just being around my dad. We weren't changing the world. We were just together. I remember one time he took me to a, I don't even know, to pick up a car part. And he gave me these chocolate candies called Reasons. And I thought I would never get my teeth apart again. (laughs) Because they're very sticky. 
But it's those little memories that I have. I just liked being with my dad. And that's how I want it to be with the Holy Spirit. I just like hanging out with him. I like remembering that he's here. He's here all the time. I can be in that close of a friendship with him that I'm learning from him. I'm watching what he does. I learn what he doesn't like. I learn what he likes. Just to spend time with him. Because that's who he is. He is God's personal presence within me. He's the one that Jesus said, it's going to be better. It's going to be better than the person you can see because you're going to know him inside of you. You're going to be able to call on him 24-7. He's always going to be with you. He's always going to want to help you. Always, always, always. So that's the relationship that I want with him. Knowing that his, his all-the-time goal is to lead my life in a good direction. And just trusting him. So, this message is called Friendship with the Holy Spirit. And I hope you learned something today. That you have the helper inside of you. That he's the one called alongside to help. He's the comforter. And then sometimes we think, well, we can't call on him for that. It's not big enough. No, you can call on him for everything. Everything. Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, would you, would you come? Would you, let me, would you let me remember that you're present right now? So I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our ever-present help in time of need, that you are the personal presence of God inside of us. God, I thank you that you're the better way Holy Spirit, I thank you for developing friendships with us. God, that we would recognize the difference between condemnation and conviction because conviction will always lead us back to you. God, I thank you that when we submit to your spirit, when we give you the power of decision in our lives, that we experience freedom. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the better way. God, and I just ask right now for a tangible awareness of your spirit inside of us. That it changes our lives. It changes the way we see things. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our helper. You lift us up. God, when we're weak, you are strong. You are kind. Your kindness leads us to repentance. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for your friendship. Amen. Amen. I hope you can feel his presence. Yeah. All right. Say he loves me.
Amen.